Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. You know what's hard? Life's hard. You relocate for a new position, but then your job is terminated. A family member receives a diagnosis and then it hits you. This could be our last Christmas together. The school counselor calls and informs you that your son has been bullied at school. You want to get pregnant. Your friends are getting pregnant and you want to get pregnant too and you want to have kids but the journey has just been so much longer and so much more painful than you ever anticipated. Life's hard and we feel it personally. We feel it when our friends, our family members are going through something and when we feel it, we feel it in our bones. Like We feel it in our gut. Sometimes the pain is so strong that it just overwhelms our emotions. It clouds our vision, even our vision of what could be in the future. Now, don't get me wrong, life has its celebratory moments. There are good portions of life, good seasons that we just celebrate, and there's tons of joy in that. But this life in a, in a broken world that's plagued by sin, it's hard. So today, we're going to talk about how to navigate the pain. And as we're going to do throughout this plotline series, we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament to learn how God wants to intersect our story. And then we're going to be inspired by a story from someone in our church family who is living what we're learning about. Now, the story that we're going to look at in the Old Testament today is found in 1 Samuel's, 1 Samuel 1 and 2. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. And if you need a Bible, you can, of course, follow along in our free church app, where there's also a place you can jot down some notes as you listen to the message. Now, as you find 1 Samuel 1 and 2, let me just kind of bring us all up to speed, set the stage for what we're about to read. It's the 11th century BC in Israel, and Elkanah, who is an Israelite at the time, he has two wives, Panina and Hannah. Panina had kids. Hannah did not have kids. Now, barrenness is hard to stomach today, but believe it or not, it was even more challenging back then because society amplified the desire to have kids. You see, in in our world today, the American dream is the dream for individual freedom, success, prosperity. But in the ancient Near East, the dream was crops and babies. Because if you had food, your family could eat. And if you had babies, you had a legacy to leave. Now, you were hoping for a son, but any kid would do. So here we have Hannah, who wants to have kids, but because she doesn't, society looks down on her as cursed, as worthless. But Hannah turns to God in her pain, and we're going to take a look at it so that we can learn how we can navigate and turn to God when we're in seasons of pain. But before we jump into the story, let's pause and let's pray, and let's ask to hear from God now. Lord, we come before you and we just want to learn. We want to understand how we can follow you forward and encounter you in seasons of pain. 
We thank you for the hope that we ultimately have in Jesus. And at the same time, we recognize that the world we're in still has pain, still has brokenness, and we feel that all too often. So please show us where you're at and how we can encounter you in these seasons as we learn from Hannah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pick up the story in 1 Samuel 1, 3 through 8. Year after year, this man, Elkanah, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year, and whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Family drama. Like, we all have it, and even families in Scripture had it. Polygamy, the practice of having multiple wives, was common back then. Now, polygamy doesn't honor God, and it doesn't honor people. And we get a glimpse here as to why that is. You see, Elkanah had two wives. He has Hannah, who he favors and loves more, and he also has Penina. Now, Penina, of course, felt hurt by the fact that her husband loved his other wife more. And in Penina's hurt, she hurts Hannah because hurt people hurt people. But Hannah, in her pain of, of barrenness, though it is raw, and Panina is twisting the knife. Hannah doesn't sit in her shame. Check out how she responds. This is in verse 9 and following. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Hannah didn't sit in her shame because her pain prompted her to pray. And like Hannah, when we're in seasons of pain, we should be prompted to pray. Like when we feel helpless and incapable, we should turn to the one who is the helper, who is able. When we can't see a way forward, we can pray and we can be reminded of the way. When all hope is lost and we feel it, we can turn in prayer to where hope is found. You know, Amanda and I, once we read this passage a couple years ago, and when we read it, we thought, we want to name our daughter, our first daughter, Hannah, because like Hannah in the passage, we want our daughter to respond when she's facing whatever she's facing, and especially in times of pain and desperation. We want our daughter to turn to God in prayer, because that's what we see Hannah do here. And deep pain prompts desperate prayers. I mean, just listen to this in verses 12 through 20. As she Kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. 
and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. So we got Eli, the priest, the go-to person if one wanted to get to God back then. And he sees Hannah, but he only sees the surface. So he assumes she's drunk. But while Eli failed to see what was truly going on in Hannah, God did not. God saw Hannah. God heard Hannah. And just like God saw Hannah in her pain and, and heard Hannah in her prayer, God sees you in your pain. And when others completely misunderstand you, God still understands. When you cry out to God with everything in you, God hears the cry of your heart. This, this should encourage us because if we feel like we're drowning in despair, we haven't fallen off God's radar. He is there and he is with us, so keep praying. Keep praying. Because prayer positions us, it postures us at the, the feet of the one who hears us, the one who can help our God. At the end of verse 19, it says, the Lord remembered her. When I read that, I'm reminded of what Mark Batterson, a pastor and author in D.C., says. He says, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. Why does God honor bold prayers? Because bold prayers honor Him. When we pray boldly, we're declaring our faith that God is with us, that God is good, that He is able, that God is powerful, that He can do the impossible. Bold prayers honor God because they're a declaration of our faith in who He is. Now, when God chooses to answer yes to our bold prayers, we should honor Him. We should know that He's the one who healed. He's the one who provided. He's the one who showed up. And this is where we learn the first lesson from Hannah. When you're desperate, pray desperately. And the second lesson we learn from her is this. When God answers, give God the credit. Hannah named her son Samuel, which essentially means like his name is God or name of God because she asked God for him and God answered. She knew that God answered yes to that request. And when God answers yes to your request, You should journal about it to remember God's goodness. Post about it to celebrate God's goodness. And of course, sing about it because God is so good. When God answers not yet, here he answered yes to Hannah, but sometimes God will answer not yet. What do we do? Pray persistently. Jesus taught this about prayer in Luke 11. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. 
And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God is a good father. He enjoys giving good gifts to his kids. And did you catch what Jesus said as he closed? He said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The ultimate gift of prayer is the Holy Spirit, God's very presence. See, the point of prayer isn't the gift that we received. The point of prayer is the giver. And this is why persistent prayer is purposeful prayer, regardless of what the answer is in the end. You see, when we persist in prayer, it can be tough if we do it alone. It's hard to persist. We can grow weary. We can lose heart. So when you're praying persistently, invite your community group to pray with you. Maybe even ask us as a staff to pray with you. On the app, you can request prayer any time of the day. 24-7, 24-7-365, and once a week, our staff, we kick off the week, we, we lay down on the, the floor of our office in humble submission to God, and we earnestly seek God for the good of our church, for the good of our community, and we love to pray specifically for you. So let us know how we can pray for you. Because when we persist in prayer and we try to go it alone, it's easy to lose heart, it's easy to grow weary. So lean on others, lean on your community group, lean on the leadership of our church, and we together will lift one another up in prayer. Now, sometimes, as a good father, God actually says no to our requests. Now, from our limited vantage point, this sucks. It doesn't make sense. But scripture teaches us that God's thoughts and ways, they are higher than our thoughts and ways. And while the no doesn't make sense right here in this moment, one day, when we have a little bit bigger perspective, when God opens our eyes to other things that are going on and and how he's working in different situations, it might just make sense. But in the moment, even when we receive a no, we can still trust in God's goodness. So, when you're desperate, pray desperately. When God answers, give God the credit. And then three, When God comes through, follow through. Sometimes in our desperation, we try to bargain with God. Now, bargaining with God, like the almighty God, the creator of the cosmos, the author of life, like bargaining with God, it's ridiculous, okay? But it's what we do, okay? We say things like, God, if you'll just give me the job, I'll start giving more to the church. God, if you'll just heal my mom, I'll tell her about Jesus. Hannah did this actually in verse 11, where she... uh, She essentially says, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Now, I don't fully understand why God does this. I know he's dynamic, he's relational, but 
Sometimes God humors us, and He actually will uphold His end of the quote-unquote deal. And when God chooses to humor us, we should honor Him. And this is what Hannah did. You see, God gave her the son that she asked for. She names him Samuel. And then she went back to the temple and she found Eli the priest. And this is what she had to say in verse 27 and 28 of chapter 1. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. Hannah got something foundational to faith. God is not a genie in the bottle. He is not some cosmic vending machine. You see, we, God doesn't exist for, for our pleasure, for our purposes. Oh, no, no, no. We exist for God's pleasure, for His purposes. And because she worshiped the giver more than the gift she received, Hannah followed through when God came through. Our persistence in prayer reveals the strength of our faith. But our response to answered prayer, it reveals the pursuit of our faith. So both matter to God, both the strength of our faith, the pursuit of our faith. So when God comes through, let's be sure to follow through. So whether we're in the, we're in the, the lowest of valleys or we're in the highest of mountaintops, celebrating the yes or, or mourning the no, we can know God is good because the gift is the giver. You know, I was, uh, as I think of Hannah's story, I'm reminded of Nate and Aaron, who are part of our church family here at Connect. And they're not just part of our church family, they're, they're friends of mine, and they've been on this journey for a few years now of wanting to have kids. And the journey's been longer, the journey's been more painful than they anticipated on the outset, and it's been hard. It's been really hard. They've prayed. They've prayed a lot. They've asked their community group to pray with them. They've invited us as a staff to pray with them. And we've prayed with them again and again and again. And for some reason that we don't fully understand right now, they seem to be getting this not yet answer right now. And it's hard. It's really hard. I was talking to Nate about it this week. He's actually, Nate, they're going to uh, be interviewed actually as part of the service and we do this, share this message live on Sunday. And I was just talking with him about the journey, the journey of prayer as they've been on this journey to get pregnant. And we were talking about just the, the, the dynamic of prayer and how God seems to, to choose to relate to us through prayer. And sometimes he, he responds to our requests and other times he chooses to go a different direction. And we were just honestly in awe of the fact that God, Almighty God, would invite us to talk with Him, to bring our requests to Him, to share our heart with Him. And when He answers, well, we know it's Him. But regardless of the answer, what Nate and I were talking about is how really the point of prayer is that relational pursuit of God, that it's in the conversation with Him that we grow in our relationship with Him. And when I think of what Nate and Aaron are, are walking through, and I, I look at this story of Hannah, what I, what I learn, and really what's the bottom line of this whole message is this. Prayer shifts our focus from the, the greatness of our pain to the greatness of our God. Prayer shifts the focus from the greatness of our pain to the greatness of our God. So, 
When pain is present and God feels absent, pray first. When you've been praying and, and the pain persists and God seems silent, pray persistently. When the pain has passed and God's answered, pray with praise. You see, the giver is the gift. So when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil because we know He is with us. When we're on the, the mountaintop or we're, we're in the valley or we're somewhere in between, we can pray in faith knowing that God is able to move the mountain before us, to move the obstacle in our way. And Hannah, her, her faith, her prayer, may it be an inspiration to our faith and may it prompt our prayer, even our praise as we close. I'm going to read her prayer because this is a prayer of faith. This is a prayer of celebration. This is a prayer who knows that the giver is the gift. 1 Samuel 2, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord, for there is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry go hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It's not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. God, we come before you declaring, as Hannah declares here, that you are our deliverer. There is no one else like you. You are all-knowing. You are judge. You are provider. You are sovereign. You're protector. And you empower us. Thank you, God. Great are you, Lord. We praise you in the valley. We praise you on the mountaintop. We praise you in the pain. And we say all of this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.